Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. Today, my guest is Heather Anderson, and we're going to talk about ways to modify instruction for non-speaking students. Welcome, Heather, to the show. Thank you, Peggy. I'm really happy to be here. Absolutely. This is a question that we have been getting more, and I was telling Heather before the show started, um, I've been doing this show for four and a half years, and um, so that means I started before COVID, and now after COVID, we're finding that more parents are asking about nonverbal education more than ever, and it wasn't a question I, I really ever received before COVID hit, but 
um, I think it opened a lot of doors for parents to realize, you know, we had talked about this previous to the show, what was going on in the schools and really the potential of their students that wasn't being reached. Um, and so Heather is here to help bridge that gap for us. I am not an expert in any way, nor do I even understand this. It's, it's not um, uh, an issue that I've had in my own homeschool. So I'm super excited for you to share um, from your expertise, from your own experience, and um, just from the work that you do with parents. Um, you are the creative nonverbal autism homeschool and support a lot of parents in this realm. And so super excited to have you share. Um, and I just want to make a quick note to those people that are jumping on. We have quite a few people who are viewing. Um, and I just want you to know if you want to be part of this conversation, put your questions or comments in the feed. We would love to include those comments, um, questions. We also had some submitted ahead of time on our form that we're going to include as well in our conversation. So this is going to be a very fast um, <laughs> uh, discussion because a lot of people had a lot of things to ask, ask Heather. And so, so yeah, just glad that you're here and your willingness to share. So um, I would just love to have you get started and letting us know just a little bit about you and um, what's what started this this whole journey for you with homeschooling and then starting the the company that that you run to help parents teaching nonverbal homeschool oh, students. Sure. Um, my story is very similar as far as homeschooling to a lot of other parents. Mm. Um, I would pick my son up from school and I would ask, how did his day go? And right. they would say, well, he had a great day. He ate a snack. He went potty and he didn't hit anybody. Oh. I'm like, okay, that's, mm -hmm. that's great. But what did he learn? Right. And they just look at me like, learn? Lady, mm. he can't learn. What are you talking about? You know, we're herding cats in here. We're not oh, doing, we're not yeah. learning. Mm. And I would get so frustrated at IEP meetings because his goals would be things that he could show me at home that he could wow. do. And um, the I had two final straws. The first was when um, I learned that as soon as I dropped him off, they took away his um, AAC device because he was talking really? in class. So they take it, put up, up on a shelf and discourage communication. And right. the second was when I was trying to tell his teacher, he can count. Like he, you know, I don't know why he's not counting for you, but he can count. He's ready to learn addition and subtraction. And she looked at me and she said, well, how do you think we should do that? Oh. And I'm like, you're, you're asking me? Right. And that got me to thinking, well... If she thinks I can figure it out, maybe I can figure it out, you know, oh, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, a lot of us that are parents of autistic children, um, you and I were discussing this earlier, kind of came to the realization, oh, I have it too. Right, exactly. You know? And so I drew upon that uh, in my own experience to kind of better understand my son and maybe what wasn't working for him. Exactly. You know, may also have been what, what wasn't working, working for right. me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I started homeschooling him. Um, I started through a charter because um, my executive function skills aren't the greatest and I wanted that. that and that's structure. a great bridge bridge to that is to have that extra support. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we had a great charter that provides um, a lot of good social opportunities for him and is very mm -hmm. supportive when I want him to join in on mainstream things. They provide the staffing and the support and they're marvelous. Right. And through that experience, I was assigned 
a teacher to supervise the work. And that's where I met Mr. Sims, who is co-creator of this program and is our resident special ed teacher for the parents in the program. Um, So I started working with him. Um, We had some great results for my son. He started making some really great progress. Oh, that's awesome. And then um, the pandemic hit. And um, up until that point, um, I had been a journalist in the banking industry. And then um, after my son required more care for me, you know, I wasn't able to work full time. I started as a freelance writer. Okay. Banking industry, freelance um, writing and marketing strategy. Um, But then when the pandemic hit, all my clients dropped me because bankers will drop you. Like when the economy goes, you know, they're bottom line people. Right. Um, And so I needed an income. And thankfully, I'm very entrepreneurial minded. And I looked around and I saw all these parents who were absolutely horrified. Right. They were seeing their students being taught in virtual school. Right. And you were having the ex- same experience as me. Okay, we're learning to count to three. And the parents is like, what? The, this child can do a one through 100 puzzle at home with no problem. Right. Why are you, what are we doing here? Mm. Um, and so I thought, well, I already have a program that Mr. Sims and I developed for my son. And when I worked for the newspaper, I was in charge of the website. So I know how to build a ah, website. Yes. As a, journalist, <laughs> as a journalist, I know how to vet information and repackage it into something that's easy to understand. Right. I know all about SEO. And so I set out making this program, not knowing if it would succeed or not, Um but it did. I, I think, you yeah. know, it was kind of a perfect storm of, of things happening. Absolutely. What a beautiful story. And so you were so, you know, just ahead of the curve of, of everybody else during the pandemic enough time that to to be able to, to prep all that stuff and yet to get your son on the right road, too. Um, and and to just show parents that it is doable and you just, you know, learn along with me, you know, just a couple steps behind. That's kind of how my story started. And, um, and it's such an encouragement to parents who are, are floundering and going, where do I go? And, and to have your story to be, yep, we can go this way and success is, is, is happening. Yeah. Well, the ability to homeschool your child doesn't happen overnight. No, it doesn't. Um, you know, I mean, teaching is a degree for a reason. First year teachers <laughs> are shadowed for a reason. I mean, it's it, it's the first year of homeschool is, you know, I, I was just kind of, even with Mr. Sims' guidance, it was, it was difficult for me. And I'm still learning. I'm still right. getting better at it. This is our fifth year homeschooling. And I feel like I'm have it together so much better than last year even. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's it, you never kind of quite get to where you, you know you feel like you got it all down. I think some people yeah. think you do. I I always joke that it's it, you get comfortable with not knowing. And and it's that comfort that I think a lot of people see instead of the I know everything, but I'm just comfortable in not knowing sometimes and and more and more so. Well, what a, and what a great lesson for students of all abilities, that growth mindset. Yes. You know, yeah. that, well, you know what, this isn't working. Let's figure out what's going to work because exactly. our, our children grow and change. As soon as you figure your kid out, they develop into something else you don't understand. Exactly. <laughs> so <it> never ends. <laughs> so true. Yes. Or they change their mind and go, 
Oh, well, how do we pivot to that? <laughs> yeah, I liked that yesterday, not today. Yes, yeah, absolutely. After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. So we're going to talk about modifying instruction today. And um, I thought I would first start out with the question, why? Why is instruction so important to modify when you have a non-speaking, non-verbal student? Because of their disability. They have an expressive communication disability, which makes it difficult and sometimes impossible to show what they know. Um, Verbally, a lot of our students can't write. Some of our students struggle to point. And that's one great thing about the pandemic is a lot of these non-speaking adults were able to get online and participate in these virtual symposiums. That's what really got the ball rolling for me um, was to see adults who are like my son, who still lack, you know, the ability to physically control their bodies. Um, But they were able to communicate through typing, through letter boards, and this mature, insightful language came out of them. So that gave me, you know, kind of a roadmap, a place to go. And so, you know, I was able to kind of um, fangirl their parents and kind of figure out what they did. Um, and, And so what you need to do is, first of all, find how is your student able to communicate what they know. Some of our students are great at puzzles. Um, some of our students can point. Um, we have, um, for ex- example, we have um, in my program, we have a wonderful community where moms share what works right. for their student and it gives us so many great ideas. Um, we just a couple weeks ago had a mom describing how her daughter can't point. If you say oh, okay. point to the letter that makes the B sound, she cannot point to B. But if you have letters that she can physically, you know, handle, and if if the mother would say, give me the letter that makes the bus sound, she'll grab the B and hand it to her. Okay. And that probably comes from years of working with pecs, right? So they, expressive communication requires physical therapy. It requires, you know, developing those neural pathways that allow them to 
get the information from the brain to the body, to the hand, to whatever. And so, you know, you need to start with what they can do. Right. Keep working on other methods of communication. But, you know, the more that they practice expressive communication with the methods they are able to use, right. the more their brain develops and then you develop the ability to communicate in other ways. Yeah, that's a really good point because I think a lot of times we get stuck in, well, they can do this. And then we think as a parent, well, that's all they're ever going to be able to do instead of they can do this now. And this is what we need to use now. But here's some things we should be working on so we can we can build to that later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. AAC, yeah. for example, AAC is an excellent bridge to additional communication tools in your student's toolbox that together you will help them build and they can draw upon what's going to work for them in the moment because nearly all non-speakers or um, minimal speakers or inconsistent, unreliable speakers have days that they feel great and days right. that they don't. You know, yes. there's, there's non-speakers with graduate degrees who mm-hmm. have good days and bad days. Right. Yeah. And and just knowing what works as those those tools that they have in their toolbox to, to use on those days when, you know, the communication is a little more difficult. Um, yeah. yeah, we did have a question from a viewer asking about non-AAC, non-ASL creative options. So puzzles, you had said, or grabbing the letters. Is there anything else that um, for that that mom for Carrie that you would suggest? Yeah, we um, there's a couple things. One thing to realize is that a lot of non-speakers or minimal speakers um, can struggle to see a workbook or something that's sitting yes. on flat on a table. So one of the great hacks that our moms use is to either use a slant board mm-hmm. or to tape the problem up on a wall. Oh, use like a yeah. clothesline so they can right. see it straight on. Um, we had one student who we use um, Explode the Code for yes, phonics. Love which is Explode the Code. <laughs> popular with everyone. It's yes. picture-based. Mm-hmm. And remember, our kids have practice with PEC, so it works great with our students. If she put the workbook flat on the table, her daughter couldn't get any of the answers right. Wow. But she took, photocopied the page, cut it into strips, and made it into a treasure hunt. She taped uh-huh. one problem on a wall in each room. So they would start in the bedroom and, you know, they would be straight across at eye level on the wall. Her daughter would get it right. And when she got it right, then below it, it would say, now run to the bathroom. Oh, they would run to the awesome. bathroom and find it. Mm-hmm. She got 80%. She gets 80% right consistently when it's done in that method. When it's flat on the table, zero. Wow. Amazing. Just, yeah, yeah, the the difference in instruction yeah. and, and the ability to connect with it. And she's so probably just active, a kinesthetic learner, too. Exactly. Right. Active learning. Um, another thing that we do is um, with counting. A lot of times, um, a lot of our students learn to count by knocking objects into water and incorporating water play or sending oh, okay. cars down down the stairs, you know, with a with a, a matchbook track. Right. Yeah. Matchbox. Track. Match, yeah. The, so. Yeah. The matchbox cars. So yes, those were, were very popular in our house when my yeah. kids were young. <laughs> Floor puzzles, um, sorting. A lot of our kids are great at sorting. So yes. we use sorting as a way to show mastery of the subject. 
Okay. Yeah. Great, great suggestions. Those, those are all extremely helpful. So I hope Carrie that, that, that helps kind of expand your, your ideas. Um, so what, as far as, you know, modification, you know, you've already given us a, a lot of different ideas, but I, I think a parent gets kind of stuck in, well, what, what like components of school can be modified? So I kind of want to dive into the broader picture of that. And then maybe we can get into some specifics about modification um, in, in okay. specific subjects or, or whatever else comes to mind for you. Yeah. Well, let's, let's just start with subjects. For example, mm-hmm. reading. Um, and one of the questions that I saw come through earlier was about WH questions yes, and reading comprehension, which is difficult for all autistic students. Um, we use a picture-based reading comprehension system. Okay. Um, and I found there's a lot of them on Teachers Pay Teachers, so it's not something that I okay. created myself. There's a lot out there. But that kind of gets the the juices flowing gets the, you know, the ability to answer those WH questions going when they can refer to symbols. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the same with explode the code, um, you know, learning in the, at the kindergarten level, we learned beginning consonant sounds. So having pictures helps. Um, we also do in my program, we do um, treasure hunts around the house. Let's okay. go find objects in the house that start with the f- sound or the m mm sound make it real right you know? yeah um, exactly and then when we get further into um cvc words and word families um i have created a puzzle system that okay. allows the student to spell the word with you know le- letter pieces and um match them to a picture for oh, understanding okay. of the word yeah right so yeah. i have a whole long, long system of um, manipulatives, reading manipulatives. And then on the math side, of course, there's so many manipulatives to choose from. Yes. And that I think we we tend to relate manipulatives to, but not so much other types of of, uh, subject work. Manipulatives, letter banks, word banks are so important to students with autism because they struggle to get something out of nothing. Right. Um, that's why they're no good at pretend play. Um, and I was no good at pretend. Oh play. yeah. I wasn't either. I didn't take Barbies <laughs> and go, how no. are you? Uh-uh. Fine. I dress them and line them up. Right. Like, exactly. Yes. What else do you do with them? Right. <laughs> I put them into scenes. And, and, yeah. and so, um, you know, when, when we get into creative writing, I start teaching, teaching creative writing um, in first and second grade. We use a lot of letter banks and word banks yes. to, you yep. know, and, and choices just to, mm-hmm. to get that, again, the expressive ideas flowing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was so helpful for my oldest son just to, to kind of go off of something and then to be able yes. to use a thesaurus and say, oh, there's other words. Yes. And he knew the other words. It's just that the recall for yes. those types of things was just not there. But, you know, the, if he had a concrete way to, to find what he needed, then, you know, he, he created something beautiful. Oh, but, yeah. But those supports I, are so important. I, I, I'm an award-winning journalist and I have the thesaurus tab always <laughs> open. 
happen. Um, and <laughs> okay, I don't feel so bad then. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I mean, I'm a writer, but I can't do, I can't write a novel. That's not the kind of writing that I do. If you give right. me facts mm-hmm. and tell me to organize it and present it in a, you know, lovely and understandable way, I can do that. Right. But I can't make up a story. And so I really draw upon my own experience in trying to figure out, okay, how can we, you know, crack this code yes. and get that yes. learning happening? Yeah. Yeah. How about um, some for maybe some non, um, you know, the, the, the core subjects. So like for something like history and science, um, you know, what, what are some ways that parents can make that a little bit more interactive uh, than, than probably a lot of textbooks or things presented as. So in my program, we really focus on the ability to demonstrate mastery, show through expressive communication, understanding of reading and math. We -hmm. are building that strong foundation. So when it comes to science and social studies and even art, we allow it to be a bit more receptive. Okay. Yeah. And and have that trust that they do understand. So we don't require a lot of mastery, but rather just kind of participation and observation. Um, When it comes to history, um, I really love um, history pockets from um, Evan Moore. Okay. Evan Moore, which is a a curriculum um, that's, it's hands-on. So for example, my son is um, a sixth grader and I do age appropriate social studies. So we are learning about ancient cultures this year, which he has loved. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And so history pockets um, are just a bunch of kind of craft activities, you know, like when we were learning about Egypt, we constructed a pyramid and we made, they were paper dolls where you could dress the Egyptians in, you know, their ancient clothing. And we Hmm. um, put together um, kind of a map of a tomb and what went into the Pharaoh's tomb. Okay. Um, You know, that kind of stuff. Um, We also watch a lot of videos. My son is finally able to sit through a movie. And so we watched a Scooby-Doo cartoon about Egypt that happened to be pretty historically accurate. Wow. Um, So we used (laughs) that. Um, So I do in science um, I use a lot of um, YouTube shorts. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yep. like if we're learning about the the um, earth and the layers of the earth, mm-hmm. then you find, uh, you know, a 15 second loop that cuts the earth apart and shows, you know, the right. layers. Yeah. Um, that works really great with science. Um, so, yeah, we use, you know, a lot of hands on stuff. It's structured and it follows right. the educational standards. But yeah. yeah, a dry textbook, something yeah. that's extremely language based is just not going to cut it, especially, you know, for a student who still isn't reading or is struggling to focus. Right. And I love that you you focused on the shorts because a lot of times we'll just focus on a YouTube video, but really sometimes those are even too long as well. And I never even thought of using the shorts from an educational point of view. I know they were kind of just like an aftermath of what was happening on Instagram and YouTube wanted to catch up. And so, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's marvelous. Our yeah. students, the students in my program, a lot of them can't handle anything longer than a minute. Right. So that's what I look for is really, really short videos that get straight to the point that don't have a lot of music or animation or that kind of stuff that are just exactly you know, straight. To yes. The point. Yes. That's that's really good. And I, I, I love 
too, that, you know, you're, you're only working on really assessment in those, those key areas where the foundation is, you know, you're required to build on just to not create any gaps with the reading and the math and the rest. I mean, students can learn history out of sync, you know, they'll, they'll eventually get it if you throw a timeline up on the wall or, you know, or show them, you know, this fits here. Um, and the same for all those other subjects. It's just, well, those... they're always listening too. you know, exactly. I recently watched a video of a young man who was learning to spell, right. Learning to use a letter board. And one of the questions the facilitator asked him was, who did America fight in the Revolutionary War? And this was a kid who had never been in a mainstream classroom, who had not been exposed to academics. And he was like, E-N-G-L-A-N-D. And his parents were like, what? How, how in the world do you know that? He just, he picks it, he picked it up. Right. You know, we have to presume intelligence. Our yes. students present as lacking intelligence and having an intellectual disability. But the truth is nearly all of them are completely whole inside intellectually. Yeah. They just yeah. can't show they it. They might have some learning it. difficulties. Mm -hmm. You know, they may be dyslexic. They may have, but the intelligence is there. Yeah. Yes. Love that. That's, it's so important for parents to remember that. And, and, you know, really anybody that's dealing with a child that's not expressing themselves at the level that we require, and we had talked about this previous to the show, is that, you know, the way our education system is set up, it's there's this, this fine line of you have to be able to show your knowledge in this very particular way. Otherwise, you're not, you don't have any information to share um, or you have no intellect. And that is so very much not true. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, as we discussed, the American public education system is standardized for good reason. We need right. it to be efficient because our leaders have an obligation of the taxpayers to deliver the most value for the least amount of money. Nobody likes taxes. And we need it to be equal. We mm. need for all of our students to receive an equal education. So it needs to be standardized. And we yes. need that standardized testing to account for the money. That's mm. really the only reason it's there. Right? Yes. Let's be real. <laughs> um, and and so while we do want our students to gain the ability to take a standardized test because what if they're college material? They're going to need those interesting entrance right. exam skills, right? Mm -hmm. My son takes the standardized testing. We still work with a, a charter. They let me use my own um, curriculum. So it works out great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so they, we do need to work toward those skills, but we cannot yes. withhold academics while we're waiting for them to develop the ability to, you know, show mastery in a standardized way. That's a great way to put it. Yes, because yes, we do want them to not get defeated. And so many kids will give up and say they don't like learning when really they don't like being told that they don't know anything when they really do. Yeah. And and they end up in this perpetual kindergarten that yes. they are beyond, but and they, they might not angry. be able to feel it. Yes. I mean, you know, I'd start swinging too if I had been told for seven years that I was stupid, you right. know, and, and asked to point at the bunny and point mm -hmm. at the bunny and point at the bunny. I mean, and you physically can't. It's a physical issue. It's not, it's, you know, yes. generally yeah. not an intellectual issue. Yeah, absolutely. So we had a couple um, questions come in about assessments. Um, one was just from Jane. and She said, how do you assess students? And another one's from Nancy. And I know that she actually um, has tutors. And so she's asking for 
people that work for her um, that work with homeschool students online and just any tools for assessments that they can use for nonverbal students. So I guess um, a lot of probably your answers will be similar, but if there's anything addition for somebody who is coming in as a third party that you would recommend as well. Yeah. Great. So again, assessments are required for standardization. So if you're homeschooling, you can be a little looser with that. Um, a lot of times with a nonverbal student, you even have to kind of go off of their behavior to oh, figure out whether yes. or not they understand something, right? Um, you always want to, like I said, you want to work toward that expressive communication ability mm-hmm. to show what they know, but you can't wait for it. You got to get started because it all kind of works together. So um, for example, with my student. Um, when he understands something, he does this. He gets excited and he starts laughing and he does it. So that's kind of my sign that he does understand. Um, So you kind of keep going if they can't show, you know, mastery at that point in the traditional assessment way. But there are other ways. For example, you know, the the student who could um, do the work through um, a treasure hunt taped up on the wall um, mm-hmm. you know that and that's actually something that Mr. Sims used with my son is to put you know grab a couple sticky notes and um, with sight words or with beginning sounds or with CBC words you know um, put two choices or three choices up on the wall and then say right. which word is bat and they can usually grab the right sticky note mm-hmm. um, and then once they get it right I like to um, chase them. Like we get to yep. play a game of chase right. after yep. each correct <laughs> question. Um, this isn't, you know, it's it's a bit unrealistic, I think, to ask um, a severely autistic student to sit at a table and take a test. Their body just will not cooperate. But if you make it right. into a fun game, suddenly mm-hmm. they can show you what they know. Absolutely. So that's kind of a general answer. Okay. Um, yes. And just but, providing those options and instead of, you know, just expecting like a fill in the blank, that's just not going to yeah. happen. I mean, well, so. you want it to happen eventually, mm-hmm. but not in the beginning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I love that you, you say, you know, the behavior can really show that now as an autistic person myself, I have a hard time picking up on social cues. So as a parent, do you have any recommendations for us on how we can be more observant to, to, to figure out, you know, that's, that's, I think the biggest struggle I had with my children was I wasn't picking up on their social cues and things that they were trying to use to express to me because I just was unaware of them. Is, is there anything that helped you in that process? Um. Well, I mean, that's that's part of what makes homeschooling so much better for our students is that mom knows the kid. Right. You you can you know through experience, you know even through intuition. If you're autistic, you can also kind of read the energy coming from them. And so you know when they can be pushed a little harder. You know when they're done yes. for the day. Mm-hmm. You know when they're not feeling well. Um, I have... Um, taught my son we we have a really good system now where when he is dysregulated I'm able to ask him um does your body hurt or do your feelings hurt or both oh that's a good question and I I just posted a blog on this I I I hold out two hands 
does your body hurt or do your feelings hurt or both? And even if he's in the middle of a meltdown, he can usually tap the right hand right. and then I'm able to address, you know, either problem. Um, so when it comes to homeschooling, um, you know, you need to just kind of apply your ability to read your student in, you know, a life skills way academically as well. So, right. you know, for, for my student, um, when he, when he already knows something, Mm -hmm. And he just can't show me, he gets angry. So that's one of the cues that I read. Um, yeah. And then I shared, you know, when he gets something for the first time and he's excited, he does that. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, when he doesn't understand, he cries. Uh, okay. He cries yeah. out of frustration. So that's when I know, okay, we're going to pull back on this, yes. maybe back up, maybe put it down and, mm -hmm. and bring it up later. My son learns so much better the second time around. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah, which is how I, I learned. Yeah. It's another thing mm -hmm. where I realized with me, you know, yeah. um, you, you know, you try it the first time. We use what's called errorless learning in my program. Okay. Um, and that answers one of the questions, the assessment questions. Right. Um, actually, it was another question that one of your viewers had. Um, how can I get them to show me the answer without telling them? Yes. Well, in the beginning, mm -hmm. you just tell them. So errorless learning, you show them how to do something. So um, if you are showing them addition, mm -hmm. you do the addition problem for them. Right. For, oh, And yes. then you gradually yep. back off. And the great thing about autistic students is they have giant egos. And when they know something, they'll slap your hand out of the way. I know how to do this. I know mm -hmm. what I'm doing, right? That's when you know they've got it. Right. And that's when you yes. can move on. So, um, yeah, just, you know, first you have to presume competence and know that chances are, a lot of things they do understand what you're trying to teach them. They just can't show you. Right. So that's a big part mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. And so then you go, the the next step is to kind of gauge if they're unable to show you, even with the pointing, even with the give me this or the right. wall method, um, then go off of their emotions. We have some students in the program yeah. who have cerebral palsy. Okay. And you know, yeah. mom has to go off of eye tracking and facial yes, expression exactly. to know whether or not they understand. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it really goes back to a lot of what parents just do generally in homeschooling and special educators. We, we don't often talk about just how much they do trial and error, too, in the classroom because every child's different. And so you just have to try see if it works and and kind of go back and forth until you figure out what works best for your student as well as for you with teaching. Yeah, well, trial and error learning is the opposite of errorless learning. Trial and error learning often does not work with nonverbal students because of their motor planning issues. Meaning okay. if you show them and then ask them to try, if they get the answer wrong the first time, the motor planning is stuck. And then that's going to be the answer forever. Even if they know right. it's the wrong answer, mm -hmm. their finger is going to go to, you know, the wrong answer. And then they're going to get frustrated and angry and give up. And, and then that's where the anxiety comes in. I don't want to do school because I might get it wrong. And if I get it wrong, then it'll, it, I'm going to, my body's going to say the wrong answer forever. So errorless learning erases that anxiety. I tell my, mm. my son all the time when we start something new and he's anxious about it, I'm not going to let you get it wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm not going to let you fail. And, you know, I'm just going to support you until you can do it. Right. And yeah. that, you know, and it's like a good analogy is, you know, if you were, if you had a flat tire and you needed to learn how to change a tire, how are you going to do it best? If somebody tells you on the phone, okay, now, you know, grab, grab the, the wrench or what, what, grab the lug nuts. What's a lug nut? I don't know. Right. Right. So that's not going to work. Or you could watch a YouTube video and you can watch someone else doing it and then try to do it yourself. But what if somebody shows you, does right. it for you, lets you participate as you're able and yes. shows you a few times, then by the third or fourth time, you know, where you're gradually taking over, you're, you're able to do it. That's Correct. errorless learning. Great. Yes. Thanks for describing that. Um, I, I was coming from the point of view of the parent yeah. doing the trial and error. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of just, times we as parents do have to do the trial and error part and we do fail um, with some of the things that we try with our students and um, and we have to be OK with that, too. But but I love that perspective of, yes, we want them to succeed because they are so hard on themselves. My kids have been the same way and they will. They'll shut down if if they think they're going to fail um, and, and, you know, you know, as a parent that they're doing the best they can, but internally they, they just can't get past that hurdle that, yeah. that failure is, is on the horizon. It's going to well, happen. And to your point, a lot of us as parents who are autistic are very hard on ourselves yes. and, and the trial and error, you know, we feel defeated very easily when we fail at homeschooling the first go round. Right. Um, and, you know, you just need to just, well, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Yeah. You know, I was um, kind of took it as a, you know, I'm a scientist by nature. And I said, I turned, I flipped it and I said, this is an experiment, you know, it's, and so in experiments, they sometimes don't follow the hypothesis. And so my hypothesis was that this was going to be a good instructional method for my child and it didn't quite turn out, but what did I learn from it? And, and that is what I can switch around, take away and say, okay, well, when I try to look at something else or we try to approach this the next time. I'm going to take what I learned from this experiment and try the next experiment. I mean, as scientists, yeah. you know, just think of Thomas Edison and how many times it took him to create a light bulb and, and not to give up because we, there's oh, yeah. always something to learn from the process. All crazy successful people say there's no such thing as failure. Yes. And it's true. You mm -hmm. just, you know, that doesn't work. Okay, good. You've narrowed it down. Yep. Now you're closer to your goal. Right. And I, I found that as my kids got older, that that was easier to teach as I modeled it yes. versus me telling them to do that. Because I mean, now my oldest is a scientist and an engineer, and he has to be able to do that. Um, but, but yeah, it does, it takes a while to, to get the self-confidence. And I think that's, you know, as you've been talking about this errorless learning, that self-confidence has to come, that's a piece we have to build. And especially if they've been in a school system that just tells them, I'm sorry, you have no answers. You, you're continually failing. Um, we, we have to bridge that gap of education with the, the knowledge without the assessment. And yes. yeah. Yeah. That's where, you know, a, a lot of families who have students that had really bad experiences in school recommend unschooling for a little while. And that's, yeah, absolutely. Because once you get that workbook out, if they've had a traumatic experience, you're like, nope, 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 nope. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah. you got to begin with the fun stuff. You have to begin with the treasure hunt and the, you know, the chase game and yeah, that, that kind yeah. of method until then you can gradually return. Once their confidence is back, then you can go back to the workbook.
Absolutely. Yes. So what are some of your favorite modifications um, for for instructional teaching that um, that you could share with our our listeners and viewers? Yeah. So it's all the stuff that I've been describing, right? The chase game. Mm -hmm. Um, We my son loves to play chase like that's his jam. And so (laughs) that's how we take tests, you know, and, and is that there's there's chase afterwards. Um, water play is another big one for our students. Um, that's how my son was really struggling with subtraction. And so we put um, toys on a table with a tub underneath and we're like, okay, the problem is 20 minus seven. We have 20 toys, knock seven into the tub. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now, how many are left? Now, 13. All right. There's our answer, right? And he was right. so willing to do that, um, even more so than working with linking cubes. Oh, um, yeah. Which mm-hmm. I'm a big linking cube supporter as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so those work well. Um, the history pockets. Um, the um, Oh, we also do, my son is into snacks. Um, hmm. He will not try a food unless it comes in snack form, and then he's willing to try anything. And so huh. we do those international snack subscription boxes. Oh, and yes. I use that yes. as an opportunity to teach geography and culture and history and, you know, that oh, sort of thing. that's a great way to dive into those interests and... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Special interests. Special interests are so key. You have to find what your student is into. We had a student who, um, gosh, I think he was a teenager and he had never shown any academic ability whatsoever, um, including counting. Couldn't count. And so we asked his mom, well, what is he into? Is he into right. Disney? Is he into Thomas Train? What's he into? And she's like, well, he's not really into anything. Um, she goes, you know, it's embarrassing to say, but the only thing he's interested in are um, metal bottle caps. He collects oh. them. So we're like, well, let's count bottle caps. Right. So we started with that. We, we, um, uh, Mr. Sims and I created um, a different form of um, touch point math, which okay. I'm sharing yes. with your uh-huh. listeners yeah. for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we used bottle caps on the posters that we created. Within two weeks, he could count to 100. He could wow. not only count to 10, he could bag his bottle caps into bags of 10, put them together in biggest, bigger bags of 100, understood place value, with just within That's two amazing. weeks, amazing. Just because yes. they used bottle caps, something he was interested in, like okay, mm-hmm. I can, you know, this makes sense to me. Right. Yeah, so. I ended up doing the same thing with word problems with my middle child. We we used a curriculum that was written in Singapore, which of course had all these words of t- objects that he never he didn't have any relationship to. And I, it's so important, you know. Kids on the spectrum are so concrete. We had talked about that, and um, they just. You know, if you don't come into their world, then in my son, I could just tell his brain was going, what is that? You know, instead of concentrating on the problem, put superheroes in there. Now that's, you know, he had the answer super quick because yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, I know how many superheroes did this and that. And then if you put them together. <laughs> yeah, special interest is the, the best modification. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. But yeah, I think sometimes we do wonder, you know, what, what is my child interested in or how can I take that? And that's such a great example of those bottle caps. Cause I think as a parent where we kind of downplay just, you know, where our child's at and 
you know, where, how their interests can somehow get involved into education. That's where it's a gift to have somebody like you who can intervene and say, well, <laughs> let's, let's look at it from this perspective. And, and yeah. here's some, some ways you can meld the teaching strategies with that special interest. Because yeah. not all the time as parents are we as creative. <laughs> Yeah, you you really have to open your mind to what your student is showing you. Um, after the pan during the pandemic, we went on walks around the neighborhood like everyone else, right? Right. And not long after, um, my son had this huge collection of matchbook cars, and he was lining them up. And I noticed the way he was lining them up kind of looked like our street. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And come to find out, he was recreating a map of our neighborhood that he had memorized just from That's walking amazing. around with matchbook cars. And he even went into detail with the ones that were right side up were one story homes. And then if they were, they were upside down, if they were the two story model wow. and he had memorized all the different models. So like some were trucks and, and all of that. Um, and so then I, I got, I turned him on to the Google earth app. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, and he, which he loves. And so anytime we go anywhere now, as soon as he gets home, he goes to Google Earth and he retraces, you know, the entire trip so that That's he amazing. You know, that. But in, you know, at that time he was in ABA and they were telling me in ABA, well, he doesn't play with cars and trucks, right? He was just lining them up. I'm like, that's our neighborhood. Do you right. realize that like that he's being gifted mm -hmm. um, and that totally changed the way they approached him. Like they were like, Whoa, Oh, he's intelligent. Yes. He's intelligent. I've been right. this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it's fun to share that, but you really have to kind of open, open your mind to like what the, don't be so stuck on them behaving as a neurotypical person because they're not. Right. Um, and the more you the more you see it, the easier it is to see. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that is very true is you have to get beyond the barrier of, well, they're just lining up cars or, you know, whenever my daughter would go into a store, she'd just start cleaning up the aisles, you know, and <laughs> it's, it's not a surprise she went into, you know, retail and for her gap year and she loved organizing all the things that, you know, and they, they put her on especially for that. Um yeah, who among but, us haven't yes. haven't gone into Walmart and organized the DVD clearance bin? Like exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you but, might be autistic yeah. if yeah, if you're right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, we have to get beyond you know just that your child will be doing this at this age, and that that's what shows that they're progressing along this this very neat, neat and tidy timeline timeline of what that shows that they're, they're in suit with, you know, all their peers. Um, and it's just, it's not the case, but you as a parent will see change and observe that change. And, and if you take the time to step back, like you did Heather, and to, to really try, try to understand your son's world of what he was, was trying to express through how he was playing. And does, does that, I'm, I'm a, you know, as I've seen it with my own kids, but I'm assuming all of our kids play and I've, I've seen that with all my kids play has always been the expression of what they're thinking, they're processing or what they're, tr you know, what they're trying to, to kind of fit into their world that they have just recently seen and they're trying to integrate. Is that, that pretty much the case across the board that a lot of times when our kids are in that play mode, 
it's it's that synthesis of what's new and trying to fit it into what they already have kind of already built into their their knowledge base. Yeah, it it, it often is, but sometimes it's not with a severely apraxic student. Um, One thing that we are coming to realize through the growing use of spell to communicate and letter boards is that um, the mind-body disconnect that comes with autism. Um, A lot of um, communication facilitators who started out as behavioral therapists and play therapists have come to realize that um, that our students get stuck in a loop and, mm. you know, they'll watch, um, you know, Teletubbies at age right. 20 and they may enjoy Teletubbies, but they also may be stuck in that loop and actually hate the Teletubbies. Uh, and okay. so you, you kind of have to gauge what their, what their response is. Do, do the Teletubbies calm them? Or do they make them agitated? If they make them agitated, then they are stuck in a motor loop. So sometimes the play isn't what it seems. Um, So you have to go off of, you know, like I said, the behavior. For example, my son is really into animals and and their um, habitats. Like that's all he ever wants to talk about. And he has like a thousand toy animals and he, he organizes them into habitats. Um, and so I leveraged that um, to read Charlotte's Web. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, he's into learning yes. about farm animals, right? He loves Charlotte's Web. I had a goal of maybe we could get through a chapter per day. We get through easily two chapters per day. Wow. And he, you know, he doesn't sit quietly and, you know, look right. at the book. He's up and running around, but it's because he's excited because he's into it, you know. Right, yeah. Um, so, you know, that's you know, by, by going off of his emotional reaction to displaying behavior, then that's how you can kind of know if right. it's play or if it's a motor loop. That's, okay. and that's cutting edge stuff. That's stuff that we're just now kind wow. of starting to discover. Well, I'm glad I asked the question then. Cause yes, it, yeah. it seems like, yeah, in the past when I've interviewed everybody, you know, we, we talk about play and how I, I think more of the research done is done on play for typical children versus those on the spectrum and those that are nonverbal. And so I'm, I'm really glad that, that you shared that information. Cause a lot of times as parents, we think, well, play is always effective, but but again, yeah. Going yeah. Back well, to, I mean, it's it is if it's play, right? But yes. if it's motor, if it's a motor loop, then you know it's not. That's something to just look out for. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, so you touched on a little bit that you created a free resource for mm-hmm. our community. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Okay. Um, so what I've done is packaged the first four weeks of my math module with uh, from nonverbal autism homeschool and in that um the very first semester the kindergarten academic level for any age is to learn counting to put numbers and value together which is very difficult it because is, yes. matching because the symbol is an abstract concept 
<laughs> the objects are a concrete, you know, a, a yes. literal concept, and it's it's kind of hard to put this together. So we begin with that, and so I have included the posters that Mr. Sims and I created. That is the takeoff on the touchpoint math, not okay. touchpoint math, because they have been very strict about enforcing that copyright lately. Yeah, um, this is something different. It's not touching. We use the objects, the toys, objects, the bottle yes. caps, whatever it is, mm -hmm. to count, and so. The first four weeks, we teach counting zero through nine. Um, and on the fourth week, we incorporate the water play into it. Yes, so that's, and you've I got think, videos on there, too. So. Yes, my program has hundreds of instructional videos. Awesome. Um, you know, the program is basically I've vetted the curriculum. I've organized it. I do all of the lesson planning. And then I provide um, instructional videos for the parent. It's not for the students, it's for the parents. So I show right. you exactly how to work with your student using the materials provided. And so, uh, you know, that, that link that I've provided in those free first four weeks are going to be, I think, pretty helpful for parents who want to get a feel for what my program's all about. Right, exactly. And so if you're listening on the podcast, it's um, the, the website is the Autism Oasis. And I will have um, URLs, the full URL for the free resource, as well as, um, as Heather's website on the description of the, the podcast, as well as the YouTube channel. So you'll be able to find those links without having to type them in and figure out if you've got the spelling correct. <laughs> so yeah. um, we want you to be able to find her and, um, and not make it too difficult on you. So, um, so what else can people find on your website as well? My or website what services is, do you offer that yeah, parents so, can take advantage of? So currently the, the, the product, the, I just have the one product, nonverbal autism homeschool. Um, we currently have academic levels K through two, Okay. Um, I add a new um, academic level, academic grade each year. So we will launch yeah. third grade in the fall. Mr. Wonderful. Sims is um, supposed to retire, but he keeps getting begged by area districts to come back for one more year, oh. one more year. Um, so, but he wants to help me build a complete K through 12 program that goes wow. all the way to a That'd diploma. That would be so amazing. Yes. He is known for taking kids off of that um, certificate track and getting them a diploma. And so we're really awesome. committed to that. Um, so that's the product, but on the website, um, you also have my blog where I have a ton of videos and ideas on, you know, autism, parenting, education, um, mm -hmm. positive mindset, that sort of thing. And then, um, my followers can also sign up to receive emails. Um, every Monday, I profile a successful non-speaking adult and okay. kind of show what's possible. That's everybody loves that email. Right. That gives them the, the hope on Monday morning yes. that they need yes. to keep going. Um, and I also um, send out emails with, you know, a lot of free information, free tips, notifications that I've yeah. posted something new on the blog, um, that sort of thing. I am um, a single mom who homeschools and runs a business and cares full time for a non-speaking 12-year-old. So I do not have time for spam. So right. um, if you sign up for my <laughs> emails, you are going to get maybe an email once a week, maybe twice a week. That's, uh -huh. <laughs> that's all I have time for. So don't be afraid of that. Um, and then I would never 
sell my email information because right. as an autistic person, I have very rigid ethics and mm-hmm. I believe that that's wrong. So yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're kind of the same way. It's, if you get an email from us, it's either something I'm speaking at um, that we want you to be aware of um, the, the information for this, this broadcast. Um, and it's, it's so nice. I, I'm sure a lot of these people who submitted these questions ahead of time, they're going to come back and watch later. Um, a lot of our parents do that because their yeah. school days are full. And, yeah. um, and so, yeah, we, yes. one of the, one of the best things about my program, which I mentioned before is the community. Um, yes. Twice a week, we have live zoom meetings with Mr. Sims, where parents can come and ask questions about the program about teaching in general. Um, okay. Mr. Sims is not only a public school teacher, he and his wife homeschooled their five children. Oh, wow. So he knows. Yeah, it so and he, he has the inside. Yes. So he has it from all angles. Um, and um, then parents are also able to share the hacks you know, that they've right. come up with. I see that in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks, you're going to have Stephanie Buckwalter on the show. Yes, she'll um, be back. She well, was she, actually on a, last month too. Yes. Yeah. Well, she's mm-hmm. one, she is one of the moms in our program. She yes. uses my curriculum with her daughter and she has the best ideas. Um, mm-hmm. And so many, we have so many brilliant, talented moms. So we have this great community, but to your point, um, during the lives, we have maybe one or two. Sometimes nobody shows up, but right. then we have like 150 who watch the replay. Right, and exactly. the replay out the next day. So, yep. um, mm-hmm. you know, our, those of us with um, children, well, multiple children, right, that have lessons and sports activities, but also those of us with children who um, can melt down, right. who need our immediate attention, just can't attend things on time. Right. Yeah. Always, you know. Always. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's it, lots of grace. And, and the podcast is is extremely popular for us just because parents, they can download it, they can put it in their car. Um, and we understand that. And, you know, yeah. we just want to get the information to you any way we can. And and Heather, you have been an amazing guest. Lots of incredible insight. I've, I've just enjoyed um, our conversation here and all that you've had to share. You've been, um, you are, I'm, yeah, encouragement to me that um, that there's resources that are being developed in this area is something that, you know, definitely wasn't even on the horizon when I started homeschooling, well, 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I like to say that this program is a positive outlet for my rage. Yeah. Because <laughs> I find it ridiculous that I'm the one who had to create this. I'm not yeah. a teacher, you know, are, are you yeah. kidding me? Like that I'm the best that's out there. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm, I'm excited that it is starting to gain traction because I'm all for the competition. There are far more worldwide non-speaking students than I can possibly help. And so I'm right. so encouraged. Yeah. And the more programs like mine that come out, um, the more public education will be pressured to reform. And that that's yes. the ultimate goal, right? That our, our Absolutely. students can receive the same education. Yes, but you have the empathy and the enthusiasm and you're, you're doing, you're in the trenches right now. Um, and that makes a huge difference. So yes, that other people see you and um, they're inspired by you. And I am authentic. I usually yes. <laughs> don't show up to these things with makeup and washed hair. Um, and a lot of times I have to cancel our Zoom meetings because my son is mid meltdown. Right. Um, and I've had parents, you know, reply to me, say, you know what? I kind of like you better when you, ca- when you have to cancel, you know, it makes me feel better about 
about myself. And so yeah, that authenticity well, is important. It, it, it's very important. Yeah. And we don't have to be professional, but we do need to, to meet people where they're at and allow them to see us where we're at. Um, Absolutely. That's that just shows that we, you know, we, we make it day by day and that's what's most important. We show up for our kids and, um, and for the people in our community. So, yes. So thank you for all that you do, Heather. And yes. And make sure you check out, um, Heather's website. If you haven't already, the autism oasis.com and, um, and connect with her and her resources. If that's something that um, would be helpful in your homeschooling. So, um, so we appreciate you, Heather and, um, the work that you're doing. Thanks for Um, having me. Absolutely. Wonderful. This has been really fun. And, um, I'm, I'm excited because this is only the first episode. Um, we got three more coming. We're going to be talking on nonverbal learning this entire month and just want to encourage you to come back and join us for some future um, live broadcasts or the podcast um, to to just dive into that information. And Stephanie is going to be on talking about the 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 autism um, nonverbal mind um, and just kind of might be what might be going on in that head of your, your child that you can't quite figure out. <laughs> and yeah. so, and so we She's got some fantastic. other guests too. So, so definitely join us back for then. And so thank you all for joining us again. Um, thanks Heather. And um, just take, have a good week, everybody. God bless. And we'll see you next um, Tuesday. Bye everybody. take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.